Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Lordy, lordy, lordy. Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos podcast. I'm your host, Eric Helberg, and we're like Einstein over here. Man, if we could just be like the bushes. I tell you what, let's drop the perfunctories and let's start trimming back these bushes that have obscured the American view for a very long time. You know, we're nonpartisan. We definitely have ideas on this show, but bad is bad, like the song used to say. So if you're bad and you're Republican, we're down with talking about you. If you're bad and you're a Democrat, we're down with talking about you, just like we did on the last episode. All right. These shrubs are overgrown. Let's trim the bushes. Primarily, I'm going to focus on three of them. I mean, we can get into Jeb in Florida. We're going to leave him on the outskirts. I think by the time he made his presidential bid in 2016, the public had had enough. We were already fit to be tied. We didn't want another one. Okay. He got overpowered anyway by Donald Trump. Then we had George P. trying to make a little resurgence. I believe he was in charge of the Texas Veterans Land Board here for a brief time. Railroad Commission, I don't know. I think he was going back to get his law license and or rebarred, disbarred, unbarred, so he could run against Ken Paxton. Lord only knows. I mean, these guys, they never stop. Okay. So we're going to focus on Prescott Bush, which is Herbert Walker's dad and W's grandfather. And then, of course, we will go to first President Bush and then second President Bush. So where did Prescott Bush come from? Well, we know he had a pretty good beginning because his father, Samuel Prescott Bush, they like using these same names, I tell you. He was a steel company president, and during World War I, one of the government officials in charge of coordination and assistance to major weapons contractors. Yay! Okay. Well, that's a pretty good place to begin. And since he went to Yale, and I believe his father before him... We know that Prescott Bush had to go to Yale as well. And did you know when he got to Yale, he became a member of the Skull and Bones Secret Society? We hear about that oftentimes. And of course, George H.W. And we know that George W. were all Skull and Bonesmen. All right, what the hell do those guys do? That is not the content for this episode. But I will tell you that Prescott was rumored... According to Skull and Bones lore, 
him and a group of bonesmen, that's what they called themselves, bonesmen, went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and dug up and removed what they believe was the skull of Geronimo. Now, Geronimo was a badass mother, man. And I can tell you not any of those bushes could even tie one of his feathers together. But it goes to character and attitude and privilege. It goes to being that I am above the law and I come from such importance that I can operate with impunity, not have any ramifications, be confronted and or be caught accountable for it. Now, according to historian David L. Miller, the corpse and the skull that they dug up was someone, but it was not Geronimo. Shame on you, Prescott Bush. Why in the would you do that? All right. So let's move on. We know World War I started brewing, and we know that Prescott was a field artillery captain. But then, during World War I, as part of America's expeditionary forces, he purportedly received intelligence training with a core group of French officers. Okay, that's noteworthy. Where it really gets interesting, though, and where we want to take a little bit of our story, was after he graduated from Yale and... Then, of course, he was discharged from the army, and he became, at a very young age, vice president of an investment bank. How on God's green earth, fresh out of the army in Yale, does he become vice president of the investment bank, A. Harriman and Company? Hmm, okay. Well... That company evolved. It had a merger. And in 1931, he was now a partner. Prescott Bush was now a partner of Brown Brothers Harriman and Company. Now, Brown Brothers Harriman was a very prestigious Wall Street firm. But they had a problem. Their problem was that they had a very good customer by the name of Fritz Thyssen, who happened to be a German steel magnet. And we know that you need steel in Germany to what? Build armaments, build munitions. In Germany, after the end of World War I, was remilitarizing in preparation for what would ultimately become World War II. But we could not have those funds go through Brown Brothers Harriman, so did you know they left it upon Prescott Bush to become the founder of a new entity called Union Banking Corporation? Well, Union Banking Corporation was a wholly owned subsidiary of Brown Brothers Harriman with one client. Multiple accounts, but one client. It was none other than Fritz Thyssen. Yeah, yeah, that's right, the German steel magnet. 
one of the early supporters and financiers of the Nazi party. And did you know, and I'm going to actually read this part right here. This is straight from Wikipedia. In July 1942, the bank was suspected of holding gold on behalf of Nazi leaders. A subsequent government investigation disproved those allegations, but confirmed the Thyssen's control. And in October 1942, the United States seized the bank under the Trading with the Enemy Act and held the assets for the duration of World War II. That's very interesting, isn't it? Hmm. I'll tell you what's even more interesting. Not only did Prescott Bush maintain his position as the director of the Union Banking Corporation that had previously represented Thyssen's U.S. interests, thus Nazi Germany's interests, But he continued working for the bank even after our, meaning the American, entry into the war, meaning 1941. This occurred in 1942, and he held that position for the duration of World War II. Hmm. Now we're starting to see that Prescott came to be with a pretty substantial background. The stage was set, and now we know the stage has been set with Prescott to get Herbert Walker into the mix. So without boringness, we just wanted to set the stage. So we're going to fast forward just a little bit. We went from Prescott. Now, H.W. and the other children are in the mix, and they get soft shoot around the eastern seaboard in a lush and pampered life. Of course, George H.W. Bush has to attend Yale. He has to become a skull and bonesman, secret society, right? And um, he lives and works up there a bit, but then, you know what? Kind of like the old Beverly Hillbillies. Instead of remaining up there under the watchful auspices of Prescott, George H.W., because he's a man of independence, he loaded up the truck and he moved to West Texas. Not hills, that is. We're talking the flat lands of Odessa and Midland. And lordy, lordy be, old Prescott helped him get started in Zapata Oil Company. He's going to be an oil man now. And interestingly enough, they named that Zapata Petroleum. Well, good old Zapata Petroleum really wasn't concerned with mainland operations. That's what they needed to begin. Where their interest really was at was in offshore drilling. You ever heard of offshore accounts? Well, offshore drilling puts your interest in other places, and it gives you the ability to move under a wider cover. And so we know 
that they had the initial capital from the family and others, another investment banker friend. But did you know that that company was actually started with the assistance from Alan Dulles? He was one of our directors of the CIA. Everyone knows Alan Dulles. All right. So we know that Prescott's brother was also an investment banker. And it was actually at his behest. I'm not going to tell you his name or you'll get all the bushes confused. Remember I said they're all the same. But he was instrumental in bringing Eugene Meyer, who in fact at that time was the owner of the Washington Post. Hey, we're going to get the media on board, our cover story. If we can control the media, we can certainly control the narrative and make sure we're never mentioned. Well, guess who Eugene Meyer's investments were handled by? None other than Brown Brothers Harriman. Remember, Prescott was a partner. Then he went to Union Banking to funnel the Nazi money on their behalf. Hmm, this goes back a long, long way. And then they brought a few other garden variety spooks who were already working for the agency, that being the CIA. So Zapata gets rolling, right? We know we have the Bay of Pigs fiasco. Zapata was already in operation. It began in 53. Bay of Pigs was 61. Uh, It's been said that some of their rigs were used as LPOPs for the Bay of Pigs invasion and or to better monitor Cuba. All right. So we're setting the base of operations. And at that time, Zapata had two offshore drilling rigs. So... We fast forward a little bit. They never actually had more than four offshore drilling rigs. In fact, if you dig up in archives, you can find a picture of George Herbert Walker Bush and his son, George W. Bush, at the commissioning of one of the rigs. I don't know if, I believe that was the Scorpion rig. They had one called Nola Scorpion. Can't remember the other two names. But you get moving forward and look at some of the annual reports that Zapata Oil Company and Zapata Offshore Drilling Company, each with its own officers, filed. And for having such a modest bottom line, meaning they did not make money. It's known that there was extensive travel. President Bush, on behalf of Zapata, went to the Middle East many times. He went to Asia many times. Southeast Asia many times. Indonesia the Caribbean, how was that possible? That's a good question. In fact, he was in Vietnam with a gentleman by the name of Thomas Devine. Just a few days, they were there Christmas of 67, and they were there until the first week or so 
January of 1968. And then they left Vietnam, President Bush. Well, you know what happened three weeks later? What everyone now knows as the Tet Offensive, right? It's when the North Vietnamese and Viet Cong stormed South Vietnam, destroyed us. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. But then, President Bush, meaning Herbert Walker Bush, seemingly took a sabbatical from uh, Zapata Offshore Drilling Company. And then we know he ended up as the ambassador to the United Nations. So we have Tet Offensive. We're in the throes of Vietnam. He leaves Zapata, and he is then appointed the ambassador to the United Nations from 1971 until 1973. And then after that, he became known as the, now not official, he was not our U.S. ambassador to China. But he became known for the next year thereafter, the unofficial ambassador to China. And then what happened? Herbert Walker Bush is appointed as director of the Central Intelligence Agency. And he served there for a brief period of time in an official capacity. But I would tell you that all those trips he made abroad under the blanket of Zapata, uh, from my experience, as limited as it is, I would just say that he was a cleared and witting commercial asset of the agency. And then in 75, he is appointed the directorship of the Central Intelligence Agency, whereby he remained until Carter became president. Carter was a Democrat. Bush was a Republican. Carter did not think he could trust Bush. And so Bush went ahead and resigned, knowing that that could be a potential rift. So let's think about this. No, actually, I'm a year off. I'm a year off. Carter was elected November 76, therefore he would have been sworn in January of 77. Bush was director of Central Intelligence Agency from Ford, appointed in January of 76, and then he served through January of 77. So his tenure was just under a year. Okay, I was I got the one year wrong, 75 to 76. And then we move forward to 1980. But let's back up real quick. I'll tell you something that was really noteworthy. Zapata Oil Company and Zapata Offshore Drilling Company actually made a bid to purchase the United Fruit Company. The hell does an Oil drilling company, exploration company, want with a fruit company. Well, the United Fruit Company happened to control all the farming and distribution of bananas through central and parts of South America. And if you look at 
after he concluded his CIA directorship, what happened in Central America? Marxist trouble, Sandinista trouble, Nicaraguan trouble, El Salvador trouble. Ultimately, he becomes vice president under Reagan for two terms, and we hear about Iran-Contra trouble, whereby Central America factored in, and so did Iran. Were we always just setting the stage? Hmm, that's an important question. So with that pedigree, by the time that George W. came into the picture, bumbling, blowing, blah, blah, a George W., we can hardly get two decent sentences together. Did you have any doubt that he would not also become president and or previous to that governor of the great state of Texas? Hmm. And then along the way, we have guys like Neil Bush, right? One of W's brothers built the U.S. taxpayers out of a billion bucks when he was on the board at Silverado Savings and Loan in Colorado. These guys' exploits are legendary, man. Later on, after Bush left Zapata, oh yeah, they were in hock to Bank of America. In the 80s, those son-of-a-guns left Bank of America holding a, a note of $500 million. My goodness. In official and unofficial capacities, how much of these guys cost the American people? And I'm one of the idiots that served under Herbert Walker. Yeah, voted for him too. And then I voted for his son twice more. But I stopped drinking the Kool-Aid. Yep. I started paying attention to some of my experiences, things I had seen, things I had learned, things I was hearing, and it all started to make sense. And then I just started playing closer attention and formulating my own thoughts. And that's what I want for you, men. When it comes to you as a person, you with your relationship with the Lord, you with your family, I want you to form your own truth. So until next time on the Comfortable in Chaos podcast, I bid you bon voyage, my burgeoning flock. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable in Chaos podcast.